Hello and welcome to Live Like the World is Dying, your podcast for what feels like the end times. This is your early summer June-ish installment of our segment, This Month in the Apocalypse. I am Brooke Jackson, and co-hosting with me today is the very delightful Inman. Hi. Our podcast is a proud member of the Channel Zero Network of Anarchist Podcasts. And before we explore today's episode, we'd like to share a little jingle from another pod on the network. Jingle, 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 jingle. You're listening to a Channel Zero Network podcast. The Channel Zero Network is a decentralized network of anarchist podcasts, bringing you analysis of current events, media criticism, rebellious music, interviews with academics and authors, how-tos, and so much more. This is The Final Straw Radio, a weekly anarchist and anti-authoritarian radio show broadcasting out of occupied Saligi land in southern Appalachia. Hello, and welcome to Live Like the World is Dying, your podcast for what feels like the end times. I'm your host, Margaret Kiljoy. What's up, y'all? I'm Pearson, host of Coffee with Comrades. You've been listening to Rebel Steps. I'm your host, Liz. Believe in yourself, trust one another, and get organized. Hello, this is Linda. You're listening to Subversion 1312 on the Channel Zero Network. Whether you are anarcho-curious or a hardened militant, CZN's ever-growing roster of programs has something for you. Head over to channelzeronetwork.com to find out more. And we're back. Hey, Inman, how are you feeling today? Um, I'm, I'm feeling fairly good today. Brooke, but there, you know, a lot of bad things happened in June. Um, but also some really funny things happened in June. So this is true. You want to hear the funniest um, thing that happened? I bet you have um, one, but I have one that's gonna be funnier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a couple of funny <laughs> things that we'll that we'll get to. Um how how are you, Brooke? <laughs> I'm good. I like that we've um we've swooped in and and taken this podcast away from Margaret. Just kidding, she's dealing with other stuff. We miss her terribly. Yes. But yes. she trusted us to do this whole episode on our own. Yeah, <laughs> because we're real people. And I'm so excited about that. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to hear a really funny story? Yes. Okay. So um, Portland, Oregon always does a big um, pride celebration on uh one of the usually it's a Sunday, I think, in June, and it's often fallen on Father's Day because of terrible planning and timing. And this year finally didn't for once. Um, so I was having this big pride celebration. I think this was just like a week ago, and uh, both the Proud Boys and the Rose City Nationalists uh, showed up to protest Pride. Except both groups showed up to the wrong location, and they showed up to the same wrong location, and. Uh, they got in a fight with each other instead of fighting and protesting pride. <laughs> wow. Do you, do you know what the fight was? About? Like, why did they fight? Um, there's some videos you can find on like Twitter and um, the proud boys are attacking the Rose city nationalists and they're calling them racists. And um, the Rose city nationalists are in the like khaki pant blue shirt you know, um, that full face covering thing. What is that called? Bok, bok, something. And like hats. And like the Proud Boys are a bunch of older white dudes, burly bi biker gang kind of guys. And they're yelling at them for being like punk kids and wearing masks and being racist. <laughs> and they just, they just kick the shit out of them. Okay. Um, <laughs> Maybe just because uh, I, I don't know totally who they are. Who, who are the Rose City Nationalists? Oh, they're a local uh, lo local to Portland chapter of, um, uh, oh, shoot, one of the, the nationalist, white nationalist groups in the U.S. Okay. Well, what, do you know why the, like, why did the Proud Boys think that they're racist? I think, if I remember correctly, I think they're like a, a neo-Nazi affiliated uh, group, the Nationalists. Um, and they, yeah, they just think it's really uh, weak of them to wear uh, f full face coverings and not show their faces 
when they show up to events and to be in like matching outfits. I think they mock that too when they're getting into this fight, how they're like in their little khaki and blue shirt uniform thing. Wow. That is, right? you know, it's, if, it's if, so if all of, if all of the like white supremacists want to like fight each other and spend all their time doing that, I would, <laughs> I would be thrilled. <laughs> yeah. It's the best outcome to a pride protest ever. <laughs> Two asshole groups showing up at the wrong location and fighting each other instead. <laughs> Dang. Well, well that, that, that's that's wonderful um, yeah and with thanks to friend of the pod alex for uh sending me all of the videos from this and um uh news articles and stuff going on <sighs> so cool. i've just been, i've been laughing about that all week i keep thinking about it and just chuckling <laughs> um i have a i have a similarly like you know, it's like it's something something bad happened, but also something funny happened, kind of thing. All right, let's go. I like funny um, news. <laughs> okay, so um, ongoing like anti-trans legislation hmm. in across the country and in Texas. Um, yeah, pretty bad. Um, but Michelle Evans, who's like a, I think she's like a Texas House representative candidate um and some kind of like legislative director um for some wacky organization that is trying to um do weird things around covid vaccines um okay uh she was at the texas state capitol um to celebrate sb 14 which is a bill that was signed into legislation that blocks doctors from providing gender affirming care to minors uh, which is pretty pretty horrifying yeah it's awful yeah it is um it is not as bad as sb uh 1029 uh which would essentially defund all gender affirming care for anyone in the state of texas come Um, on texas yeah, it's it's through some pretty like it's it's through some interestingly deceptive means like it blocks use of public funds for those things, which like sends this ripple effect through like because um, you could be like, oh, well, like what about like, you know, private providers? Wouldn't they still be able to um, provide care for people? And the answer is like probably not um, if like. Because the public funding affects things like malpractice insurance or like insure like insurance providers in general, and so okay. it's like uh, like essentially like private doctors who don't receive public funding for doing gender affirming care um, would essentially not be able to get insured um, wow. because of this funding that's being would would be taken away. So it's not okay. It's so not okay. These bills make me so angry. And I feel like every time we do one of these episodes, we're talking about another state, another place, another layer of these bills. And it's not just like, oh, they're considering this. Like it's these bills passing in various places. Yeah. And SB 1029 has not passed in Texas, but SB 14, which blocks right. of, like gender affirming care for minors did pass. Um, But Michelle Evans was there at the Capitol celebrating and she confronted a trans woman in the bathroom. um, Oh, no. And um, which the the, the, like altercation reportedly like involved like some like verbal harassment um, of this person. And then um, so uh, so so Michelle claims um, she claims that she was sent a picture of this person uh, in the bathroom. Um, that's creepy. Yeah, by a by a like one of her followers. That's that's what she says, but she you know, it'll make sense in a moment. Okay. Um, she so she tweeted this out to you know her following, and it very rapidly you know went viral, and there were like people like um, commenting on her about commenting to her about it being like 
hey, you know, it's illegal to film people in the bathroom, right? Um, Yeah. (laughs) And she was, while she was still at the Capitol, she was detained by the Capitol Police um, and uh, got her phone confiscated. And she was questioned about the photo being like, they were like, like, oh, we've heard that you tweeted this photo of someone in the bathroom and she was like, oh, but I didn't take the picture, you know, or so she claims. And, ah. um, and yeah, so she is still under investigation for <laughs> um, taking a picture of someone in the, in the bathroom, which is <laughs> against the law, it turns out, in Texas. Oh, <laughs> there's, some, there's a ray of sunshine in this awfulness. And that's like, I mean, even if it... I mean, it should be, well, okay, laws, not laws, anarchism, not, you know, confusing. Yeah. But, like, it's wrong. Whether or not it's legal or illegal, it's it's just, like, your own internal ethics should tell you that that's wrong to do. Yeah, like. yeah. So it's nice that there's repercussions for it in some way. Yeah, you know, like, I don't, like, I'm, I'm not down with, the state existing or laws or like whatever, but like, I'm absolutely not going to have sympathy for anyone who um, like might end up getting uh, charges for filming people in the bathroom <laughs> because that's fucked up. So I, I'm yeah. curious if it'll catch on as like any kind of thing, like piece of resistance that people can do for like being harassed in bathrooms, mm. like wherever they are is to um, like if, if you get filmed in the bathroom, it's like, I'm wondering if more people will end up like catching charges for filming people in the bathroom who they, um, uh, believe to be transgender. Right. You know, but then now that now, as you say that, I realize the flip side of it, like if you're someone who's being, uh, verbally or whatever, uh, assaulted, attacked, uh, in the bathroom, like you shouldn't get in trouble for filming, the mis the, the way someone's mistreating you yeah so yeah. but the law doesn't you know have that caveat to it oh yeah laws, dumb yeah but luckily a lot of these like people who are like confronting people in bathrooms are like incriminating themselves i think mostly <laughs> so. yeah that is handy like yeah. if you're the bad guy and you're taking the video thanks for the evidence and doing the thing that's illegal and getting you in trouble i just feel bad for the person who's like on yeah. the receiving end of the assaults and they maybe feel like oh i can't document this because it's illegal to film in here yeah yeah um so yeah i think to i think for people to think about um do you so that that was a kind of funny thing, but that's pretty uh, like funny. On, that's, yeah. <laughs> that, had a, that had a better ending than than I was <laughs> expecting. So thank you for that. Yeah. Um, do you want to hear some more kind of bad news though about um, for trans folks in the news mm. this month? No, I don't. But I also don't want to be an ignorant, live in ignorance. So you can tell me. Okay. Um. So. Elon Musk, uh, you know, in the news again. Um, oh God, I know this is going. Cis Go ahead, and cisgendered, uh, like those terms, to be slurs on oh. Twitter. Oh. Um, and like that targeted use of them could be grounds for account suspension on Twitter. Oh, just when you think he's not done being the worst, he like finds new ways to be just the absolute worst. I know. And it like, I'm like, I feel like he just does it for like the media cycle or whatever. Like every time he like dips out oh, of the news, sure. he's like, Oh, I'll just like ridicule trans people and get back in the news cycle. Yeah. He just needs the attention one way or the other. It, all attention is good attention, including negative. Yeah. Um, um, speaking of horrible rich people, actually I have one for you, which is going slightly out of the order that we talked about earlier, yeah. but I, I think it's fun to put it in here. Um, there's a company called OceanGate that has developed its own little mini submarines for undersea exploration. Um, and it's doing, uh, like private tours of, uh, underwater things like 
you know, um, submarines and other wreckage. And uh, it's gone down to the Titanic. Um, and they've, I guess they've been doing this annually the last couple of years, although it sounds like the last two years were both research missions. And then this year was the first year, it's from what I'm reading, that they were doing um, like an actual tourist expedition. So uh, five super rich people who paid a quarter million dollars a piece hopped into this tiny little um, submarine to go down and explore the Titanic. And uh, the submarine didn't survive the water pressure. Ergo, neither did the unfortunate rich people on their underwater sea exploration. Yeah. It, I don't like, know if any of them were specifically terrible human beings, but, you know, rich people in general, if you can afford to pay a quarter million dollars to go underwater, I don't feel super duper bad about it. Yeah, I think from from what I read, it was like, what, it was like three, three literal billionaires. Um, yeah. The owner of the company and yep. then a Titanic expert who... I, I don't know what that person's deal was, which so so you know I might feel a little something for the uh, Titanic expert who was possibly not a billionaire, but also I don't know I don't know what that person's life is. Yeah, but the billionaires, hey, you shouldn't be billionaires anyway. And it's it is pretty ironic that the the founder of the company was one of them. And yeah, uh, while they've done you know for people who don't know this. Um, explorations of the, of the Titanic and like pictures you've ever seen in videos and stuff has never been from like people actually being that up close to the wreckage because it's so deep underwater. It's from sending, um, I don't know what they call them, but like a drone that's underwater. <laughs> so yeah. a remotely um, manned uh, piloted underwater craft that goes down and like explores that wreckage. Yeah. And there's something like, like the pressure down there, something it's like 6,000 pounds per square inch or something. So like when that thing depressurized, it um, was crushed within like, um, like a few milliseconds. Yeah. I have it and, here. Yeah. If you want. It yeah. Was, no. um, about one millisecond, one thousandth of a second is how fast it would collapse. Um, and the human brain can't respond to stimulus. Um, the fastest the human brain can respond to stimulus is like 25 milliseconds. Mm -hmm. So significantly later than what had actually happened, like your brain couldn't register that it happened before you died. And also, this is interesting, human bodies incinerate and are turned into ash and dust instantly upon this implosion. Yeah. That's crazy isn't that wild so you wouldn't even know that it happened like just like less than a blink and you're gone yeah yeah there is a there is an image circulating which is probably like you know after hearing that i'm like it's probably it's probably a photoshopped image um but uh, uh there there was an image floating around where people thought they could see the the xbox controller that controlled it <laughs> on the bottom of the ocean which i think is probably not true because i think everything was destroyed but <laughs> yeah it's kind of funny though for yeah, um a for a frame of reference you mentioned that it's uh like five thousand pounds of pressure um it's that's like 400 times the amount of air pressure that we feel just standing around uh, technically it's sea level i should say so um or it's the equivalent of the weight of the eiffel tower on you wow yeah or on the, oh, I guess wow. on the submarine, I shouldn't say on the person, but like that's the equivalent of the Eiffel Tower sitting on top of that little mini submarine. Yeah. Um, so. On the note of the Ocean Gate, um, do you know who the, you know, this is, this is, a, this is a Wikipedia joke. So, you know, <laughs> maybe there's other people, but um, do you know who the last person on a, in maritime inventions, what, do you know who the last person who was killed by a maritime invention that they created was prior to this? Yeah. Prior to this. Um, maybe a Nazi submarine creator. I don't know. I'm guessing way randomly guessing Thomas Andrews who designed the Titanic. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, 
Yeah, I think the Titanic being like, you shouldn't fucking come down here. Bad things happened. <laughs> Cursed bit of water. Yeah. Cursed water. Yeah. So um, mini submarines created by uh, eccentric rich people who ignore um, standard safety protocols and uh, the warnings from experts um, probably don't hop into one of those. Yeah. Just yeah. a thought. Just a small thought. What else is happening in the ocean, Inman? Um, so I'm sure everyone has heard about this, but there have been uh, an increasing string of orca attacks, um, uh, specifically in the Straits of Gibraltar, which is like kind of like off the coast of Spain. Mm-hmm. Um, and the... So it, it, it's like a big, it's a big hype in the media right now, I think, because of some specific things like the, they've sunk, it's like at least three boats oh, wow. at this point. And like, jeez, um, wait, are orcas yeah. big enough to sink boats? Yes. Wow. I'm bad with the yeah. size of things in the ocean. I think of them as being like dolphin size, but no, they're not. They're whale size, right? Yeah. They weigh like 11 tons or something. Oh, Lord. Those are big. Yeah. Okay, I feel really ignorant for having confessed that. Everyone, just just go ahead and laugh. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, they're they're big. And, they're big and powerful, and um, they're incredibly smart as well. And there's this one boat captain who's reported getting attacked by orcas twice at this point, um, and both times his ship's rudder has been disabled. Oh wow! And that that's what the orcas are doing. Is they're um, in some cases they're sinking boats, and in other cases. And in other cases, they're um, disabling the rudders by ramming into them and breaking <laughs> the mechanism. I don't know why I love that, but I kind of do. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 very it's very interesting, and they're supposedly like teaching each other like how to do it. There's like oh, reports yes. of like um, of adults teaching calves um, like how to. <laughs> well do it and then like the calves mimicking the like ramming of the rudders Um, i love this i don't know why i love this so much yeah yeah it's pretty it's pretty it's pretty good um and so it's it's come to prominence because of the sinking of these ships and because of the antagonism of this like uh global boat race that goes through the Straits of Gibraltar oh, uh-huh. and like a lot of ships getting attacked um, during the race. But can you guess how many orca attacks or like encounters that resulted in like um, some kind of worrisome interaction with an orca there have been since 2020? Since 2020. Yeah. God. Okay. I'm, I'm going to guess that, there's like a couple hundred a year in normal times. And I think the time frame you're giving me implies that it's worse than usual. So a thousand. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you know, you're good at extrapolating disaster. <laughs> Sorry, I'm an economist. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's, <laughs> that still seems um, extreme. What is yeah. it? Is it close? There have been over 500 recorded, like worrisome encounters or attacks on boats um, between 2020 and now um but orcas have been attacking um people and boats since Mm. the early 1900s um at least in terms of like what is recorded um there was a study done um in like interviewing a lot of uh people in alaska um about like orca interactions. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, you know, there's like indigenous stories of, um, of orca interactions, like dating back much further. Um, and what a lot of folks from those interviews had to say was that the, um, that orcas are like these, you know, like wise and mystical creatures. Um, but also that they, um, hold grudges oh. and, um, might revenge themselves upon anyone who has harmed a whale in the past. Fuck yeah. 
Yeah. The, uh, which makes sense for um, some of the so like some some of the the ways that the orca attacks are being talked about um, in the media specifically. There's like they're like, yeah, it might be due to past trauma, specifically for this one whale named uh, White Gladys, who's like <laughs> supposedly the one who's teaching all of these orcas. Yes. <laughs> um, Angry old lady orca, I love it. <laughs> yeah, um, but. There, there's some kind of funny things being said about about it. Like people are like, "Oh, they it's from trauma." Some cite revenge. Um, some cite it as a fad. <laughs> and there's like some people are like like <laughs> kind of minimizing it, saying like, "Oh, this is just a fad. Like they're not revenging themselves upon people. They're it's just a fad that they pick up and they'll drop it soon." Citing. It, an example in the Pacific Northwest where for a while there was this pod of orcas that would swim around with um, like disemboweled seals on their heads. Wow. All right. Yeah. And what, what's, what's amusing about this to me is that people, I think people are just coming up with like wild uh, example, like wild reasons for, why animals do things mm. um and th- it's like <laughs> i feel like it's almost how uh the news talks about like youth culture and like youth <laughs> uprisings <laughs> yeah <laughs> like there's like similar language being thrown around <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> um but one of the biggest underlying factors of the orca attacks in the Straits of Gibraltar could be linked to the fact that they were recently declared a critically endangered species or a oh, like wow. subpopulation. There's like 40 of them left in the Straits of Gibraltar. Shit. That is not a lot. Yeah. I know. And so it's like people, it's, it's funny that people have this tendency to say like, oh, it's just a fad or it's like from past trauma. And it's like they're a critically endangered subpopulation that is like, no, fuck these ships. Like, yeah, like it's messing with us. And it is because a lot of increased ship traffic like leads to a lot of complications for them for hunting tuna. Um, and they're like, they're, they're, uh, fishing and like hunting grounds are like severely being messed up by boats, boat noise, and um, by changes in tuna migrations, which is exacerbated by warming waters. So, wow, I I think it's pretty clear they're revenging themselves. Upon yeah, for humans. sure. And when you're When you talk about how few of them there are, and then you put that in perspective of how many attacks there have been, like, obviously, you know, there there are orcas in other places than just the Straits of Gibraltar. But like, if there's only 40 there, and I don't know how many of the 500 and some boat attacks, but let's say a couple hundred of the boat attacks are like in that area where there's only 40 orcas, you know, that means like every orca's gone out and done like five boat attacks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like once or twice a year they're like, fuck these boats, I'm doing it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I'm here for it. Go orcas. Go orcas. Um You know what else what happens when we uh fuck with uh Mother Nature? What also happens when we fuck with Mother Mother Nature, Brooke? Uh, weather, weather weirdness and stuff going bad. Ooh. For instance, uh, you've got a better one than me, but this is a little one that I'll, that I'll pitch as a warm up, and then you can share your much better story. Um, there have been storms in the Midwest and the East Coast this last week um, that have grounded uh, thousands, so even tens of thousands of uh, flights. They've been delayed and canceled. Um, so there's however many passengers that equals maybe it's thousands of planes and tens of thousands of passengers was the number actually um they're you know stranded vacationing east coast what have you and can't get back to their homes and they haven't even started rescheduling flights yet and uh i compared this earlier to like um climate migration and it's obviously not quite the same thing it's like a very 
temporary sort of situation in which a whole bunch of extra people are stuck uh, in a place because of the climate preventing their ability to travel. And isn't that fun? No. No, it's really not. Wouldn't no. win. Yeah, I mean, it's just like not the normal time of year for there being epic storms like this that are holding up planes and causing cancellations and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, is some of that related to smoke, like the wildfires in Canada? Um, you know, I didn't see any notes about it being caused by snow smoke. I, was, that's, I wouldn't be surprised if there was some of that going on too. But I was talking like really specifically about major storms, rainstorms, windstorms in the mm-hmm. uh, Midwest and East. Which is like when we hear about it in the winter and there's flights canceled, we're like, okay, yeah, winter, snow, ice, flights get canceled. But when you hear about it like summer, it's, it's very strange to have that going on right now. Yeah, yeah. And is there, is there other strange weather going on right now? There, there is some other strange weather going on right now. Um, so in the in the southeast United States and um, South America and Mexico right now, there's this like pretty intense heat wave going on mm. um, with uh, in Mexico um, alone. Um, since March, there have been over 112 people who have died from like extreme heat related complications Whoa. in Mexico. Jeez. Um, yeah, it's, it's pretty brutal. There's like, like large sporting events being canceled or from like athletes just getting like, um, like dropping out from, from heat, from heat illness. Wow. And, um, there in the Southeast of the U S it is particularly, bad with heat indexes of upwards of 120 degrees in new orleans hmm. and um texas right now um there and you know these a lot of these are like record record heats for the areas um and notably in texas uh, in big bend um over the month um a 14 year old um hiker in big bend um died from heat-related illness complications. Um, and his uh, stepdad um, also died from heat-related illness Aww. from crashing, which resulted in him crashing his car and dying while trying to get help for his stepson. Jeez. Um, yeah, it's... It's awful. It's, it's, it's kind of brutal. Um, yeah. And... Uh, there, there's kind of like critical fire conditions in New Mexico because of this. Um, like I know someone who's like getting deployed to a fire, like pretty imminently, um, in New Mexico. And, um, but in contrast to this, there's also wild flooding happening. Really? Um, Yeah. There's kind of been like an early, early little hurricane um, season in the Caribbean and oh, in June there were catastrophic floods in Haiti across the rest of the Caribbean okay. and in South America with catastrophic flooding in Brazil, Ecuador, and Chile. So like just south of the areas that are having the really bad heat waves basically? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. There's also this kind of like extreme flooding happening. Man. Um, and some of this can be explained by another pretty large weather shift, which is that we are officially in an El Nino weather pattern as of June. And El Nino's um, the wet one, right? So we have too much rain and La Nina's something else. Um, yeah, yeah. It kind of, I, <laughs> I tried to spend a long time trying to understand these weather patterns and they're rather complicated. So, um, in a, essentially what is going on is that there's this large amount of warm water that, um, accumulates around Australia. And, um, at some point there's this big weather shift um, due to these like feedback loops mm. changing and 
um, all of that warm water starts to move eastward. So okay. during a La Nina event, um, Australia and like the like tropical like Asia like experience a lot of flooding and storms and stuff. And then during an El Nino event, all of that warm water starts to shift eastward, um, which results in much higher um, water surface water temperatures across the Atlantic, hmm. um, which can do a lot of th- it, it brings it brings rain as well to uh, the Atlantic and but it also brings a huge amount of heat. So like during an El Nino event, um, there is projected to be like large increases in global temperatures. Okay. <laughs> and specifically specifically in the surface water. Um, and so typically in a La Nina event, um, the we experience in the Atlantic a lot more hurricanes. Oh, um, okay. So during an El Nino event, there's actually like a decrease in the amount of like intensified hurricanes because of the trade winds that are associated with an El Nino event. Okay. They kind of like cut off the head of the hurricane before it can develop. But due to an unprecedented heat event occurring, the heat is actually suppressing the winds. And so... A lot of weather scientists are unsure what's going to happen for this El Nino event because oh. the winds that normally prevent large hurricanes might not do that anymore, but there will be a huge increase in warm water and in amount of water in the okay. Atlantic. So um, other catastrophic things could happen. Oh, good. Just what we need. More catastrophic things. Yeah, and this is a. Um, <laughs> I feel like it's I'm fine. Get added fine. For, for some of this reporting, um, go go watch a YouTube video about El Nino. I you're not I a climatologist. Really difficult time. <laughs> yeah, not a climatologist. I had a really hard time deciphering a lot of this information. Um, but yeah, that's that's what I got about. But- the weather i think it was great and i appreciate that great all right one quick Um, news topic for you if i may yeah yeah what else have you got in this list of horrifying things (laughs) uh well the united states postal service usps is raising the price of stamps again that's effective july 9th so if you happen to be listening this before july 9th and you're someone who does a lot of mailings run out and buy some forever stamps because they will be only be 63 cents and you can use them for first class postage forever where starting july 9th they're going to be 66 cents they're going to go up three whole cents and they're also raising price for postcards and for international mail. Cool. So I mean, you know, whatever. But cool. <laughs> uh, I have one f- more funny news story, but I can't remember if you had other stuff to share too. Um, I have some more stuff. I have some. I have some other headlines, but you know, do do your headlines. No, no, show throw out one of your headlines. I just did a headline. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> we take turns here I, at Strangers. Yeah. It's very important. Um, I all of my headlines are about pretty bad things happening for my favorite for trans, for trans folks. Oh God! Um, oh God! I know it's not a good month or year or for us century um, lifetime century. Um, a uh, in Vancouver, BC, a husband and a wife interrupted a track and field meet. Um, literally in the middle of the shot put event as this kid was walking up to do her, her turn. Um, and Uh this, this dad like literally stormed onto the field, um, accusing this who ended up, who is like a, she's a cis girl, um, ended up like, like berating and accusing her of being trans and how she should not be able, allowed to compete and demanded the, that the parents produce a, birth certificate like on the spot to prove that this um like nine-year-old cis girl was in fact a cis girl 
Um, Don't harass children. I mean, yeah. how, like, what? Uh, <laughs> the whole thing's kind of bananas, but, like, what what grown-ass adult in their right mind thinks it's okay to walk up to, like, you know, I was you said, I was picturing, like, a high schooler, which is still not okay, but then you said, like, a nine-year-old, and I'm like, the actual fuck. Like, what's wrong with your brain? I shouldn't say it that way. Why would you think it's okay to berate a nine-year-old child? Yeah. That, a stranger yeah. that you don't know. That's just bananas. That's bananas. Yeah. All, all in the name of protecting children. <laughs> yeah, see, as a mother, I'm like, I'm imagining <laughs> if that had been my child in that situation, I would have not done well. I'd become kind of a mama bear with my kid. And like some stranger comes up and starts shouting at my kid it's not gonna go well for them and yeah but I, I just don't understand like how anybody thinks that's okay ever yeah and anywhere. the the both of them also verbally berated um both of this this uh kid's moms um as being you know groomers and oh of course mutilators gross yeah child's not even trans yep not that it would be okay if they were but it's like just that extra layer of ignorance yeah it it does point to this larger thing though of like you know obviously um all of this like all of this this heightened uh violence towards trans people is obviously more dangerous for trans people than it is for anyone else um but i think that we're gonna see and this is corroborated by some more headlines that i have that um uh, a lot of this violence is also going to be directed at other queer people. It's a lot of it's going to be directed at um, trans guys, and a lot of it's going to be attracted, directed at cis women, um, who like basically anyone who doesn't fit uh, gender norms. Um, Wonderful. Right. Whether that's how they dress or how their hair is cut, um, or otherwise. And, and that was part of the provoking incident with this nine-year-old was that she had a pixie cut. So she had short hair. Oh, no. I had a shaved head at that age. Like, eight, nine, ten. On my, like, shaved. Like, not just a pixie cut. You know, little tiny baby hairs. Dang. That's how I just, that's how I liked to wear it. And uh, it's weird to think about how, if I were a nine-year-old today... I might be treated. I mean, everybody thought I was weird for having a boy's haircut then, but like nobody was going to come up and yell at me about, I don't know, my gender and expression or anything like that. Like, they're just gonna be like, you're weird. And that was all. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Um, do you have any other headlines? Um, I've got one more fun story from Oregon for you. Do you want it now or do you want it after your evil headlines? Maybe, maybe if it's fun, maybe it's like a nice thing later. <laughs> Okay, yeah, let's keep suffering for a little bit, and then maybe I can take us out with some lulls. Um, another notable thing that happened, I, this is like trending on TikTok a lot uh, this past month, was um, a, uh, like a mask, a, a slightly mask-presenting like cis lesbian woman was actually arrested um, for using the bathroom designated for women oh of course um yeah god forbid yeah which involved like this this um like this dude cop like going into this bathroom and like like trying to like shake this person down for id you know um, to like prove that she was in fact a cis woman (laughs) um Oh, the whole bathroom Sh- thing. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Um, ben Shapiro. Um, oh, no. Is this, no. You no. Know, I'm sure folks know who Ben Shapiro is. Just threw up in um, my mouth a little bit. Yep. Um, so Ben Shapiro and the Daily Wire is filming an anti-trans movie in Nashville right now. I was really um, hoping called... you were going to say in a bathroom. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they'll, I'm sure bathrooms will get brought into this movie. Um, uh, okay, in where Nashville, Nashville, Tennessee. Okay. What's um, it called? It, it's called Coach Miracle, 
and um, it is about a group mm-hmm. of cis men who are pretending to be trans women to go so that they can play basketball in the Olympics. Okay. Um, and I think I've heard that like Ted Cruz was like on location, like, like filming with it. Um, and they misled, they had a bunch of misleading casting ads, which tricked a lot of, um, Hmm. queer actors into signing on to the film. Yeah. Um, I see it. I see it now because it was being billed as this like queer comedy movie about basketball. Um, but yeah, they, they're, it's, it's, it's pretty bad, but okay. So the one thing that I'm wondering, um, is, does them making that movie put them in violation of Tennessee's drag ban? (laughs) (laughs) When the shitty laws come back around to bite the shitty people in the ass. I hope it does. Yeah. Well, or (laughs) I really hope it violates that law. it, it definitely wouldn't like no one, none of them are going to be prosecuted for that. But in a good bit of news, a federal judge um, rejected the Tennessee drag show ban as being unconstitutional. Yeah, it is. Um, it's a first amendment violation. June. Yeah. And Sorry. so the Tennessee drag ban is, is no more. Um, I mean, it's, it's still in the books, but it is unconstitutional, deemed unconstitutional by the Supreme court. All right. Well, that's a little something to make me less, just a little bit less worried about the world. Yeah. Um, but also, the um, human rights campaign, which I feel like I'm having like a brain fog around. I feel like human rights campaign ca- came under like heavy critique for being pretty transphobic mm-hmm. in years past. Um, but I've I can't remember a lot of things. So. Um, But, you know, regardless, um, the human rights campaign um, declared in June what, you know, trans people have been saying for a very long time, which is that they declared a like a national state of emergency for queer and trans people. Holy shit. Um, Which, you know, I don't really understand what that means. And it's like, you know, queer and trans people have been saying the same thing for a very long time. So like, I don't really know what kind of legitimacy they're lending to it, but yeah, but they're like a well-known entity. So them, I think saying that like really is going to draw some uh, important attention to all this is going on that obviously you and I are paying well attention to, but I don't know how much any of the rest of society and, you know, your normal Democrats or vanilla leftist, folks are really paying any attention to all of this that's going on yeah yeah that's true um but regardless of what's up with the human rights campaign and i my foggy memory maybe they're fine i don't know um they did put out a report recently that is this like interactive document that keeps up on like what laws are going into what laws are being, what bills are being introduced, what bills are, have been signed into law, where they, what states there are sports bans and bathroom bans and things like that. Okay. Pretty much all of the information to stay up to date on what's going on in your area or your surrounding area can be found in this interactive report that they put out. So. Okay. Well, if they've had problems in the past, it sounds like they are, um, catching up and, and, um, making progress and starting to do some good things now so we should always applaud when when that starts to happen yeah um not that we can't be disappointed but it's you know it's good that they're getting there now i feel like yeah what's What's your what's your good headline yeah what's your funny news okay soon new jersey is going to be the only state in the united states where you're not allowed to pump your own gas because oregon's legislator legislature just passed a law saying that's going to end our very very silly law that says you cannot pump your own gas so the governor still has to sign that law which there's no reason to think she's not going to 
And uh, then congratulations to us. <laughs> when we get to a gas station, we can get out of our cars and do it ourselves. And it's, it's hard to emphasize how ridiculous this is. Have, if you haven't like lived here in Oregon and then traveled to other places where you can pump your own gas. You know, I've lived in this state my whole life, but I travel to uh, Washington frequently. And once I cross that state border, I pump my own gas and it's not a big deal. But uh, in Oregon, I mean, you, you don't get out of your car, right? You roll down your window and someone comes to you and takes mm -hmm. your card and pumps your gas. And there've been a couple of times like during uh, severe heat waves and uh, part of COVID in which they allowed self-service. And it was very confusing for people. You could see them when they got to the gas station that they were like, sitting there and like looking around and waiting. And then they realized there was a sign. And then they were like, Oh, pump my own gas. And they get out and they look at this machine. Like it's asking them to do calculus or something. <laughs> wow. Oh, it's going to be so confusing and upsetting for people. And I'm looking forward to it. Oh. Uh, <laughs> cool. <laughs> It's just so silly that we can't. I mean, it came. it's a law that came on the books like 70 years ago or something like that because yeah. the government was worried about, um, you know, people handing, handling flammable materials and whether or not they could be responsible and safe. And Oregon okay. still has that law active on the books. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So this, um. this means nothing to, you know, probably 80% of our listeners, but the 20% of you who are in Oregon with me or who have lived here for any state of time, <laughs> you know, you're laughing. That's good. So just, uh, just to frame this episode, um, with, uh, pew, you know, pew, pew. fascists killing or harming, trying to fight other fascists. Um, so people might've heard, um, but there was a, uh, attempted coup in Russia. Ooh. Um, from I saw a headline. This, yeah, from, from this group called the, the Wagner Group, um, okay. which is a private military company of some 50,000 uh, troops. Damn, Gina. Um, yeah. Yeah, and it's 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 a private military like company. They're literal mercenaries. It is a company that is like operated by a single person um mm. who was it's hard for me to understand what fa like you know fascists quips with other fascists are <laughs> but they were like they were dissatisfied with the military leadership uh for the um you know the invasion of of ukraine um and they were upset that their they claimed that their troops were getting shelled by um, by the like larger uh, Russian military, um, mm. and so they staged a coup. They attempted to go to Moscow to like specifically target this like general who's in charge of um, the uh, invasion of Ukraine, um, and. Um, they, it lasted about a day and there was this like shady sounding deal that was brokered between um, Putin and uh, what is his name? Uh, Prigozhin, um, who's the head of the Wagner group um, by the Belarusian uh, president, I think. Okay. And the, the details of the deal have not been, no, no one knows what the details of the deal are, but um uh the Wagner group went from being like accused of treason and like considered criminals by uh the Russian state to everything's fine and no one's getting in trouble. <laughs> yeah, sure. Everything's so. fine. So yeah, some fascists killed some other fascists. Excellent. No notes. <laughs> <laughs> no notes <laughs> as we started the episode so we end it with good news <laughs> oh all right thanks for that happy headline can i do the end mm -hmm. the ending thing now yeah with the ending yeah. of the thing thanks so much for listening to the latest installment of this month in the apocalypse we come to you as members of the strangers in a tangled wilderness publishing collective 
We produce a few other podcasts, create zines, publish books, and we just finished very successfully kickstartering our first tabletop role-playing game, Penumbra City. Um, which, um, as of, if you're listening on Friday, you still have until 7 a.m. on Saturday, July 1st, to back this Kickstarter. Um, so Why you, would you, you want to? So this, uh, this wonderful role-playing game that, um, that me and Margaret and Robin and Cassandra have been working on for a really long time um, is we, kick, we kick-started it. It was a huge success. Thank you, everyone. Um, so if you back the Kickstarter now, in addition to whatever rewards you select, and there's, you know, there's rewards from digital PDFs to a beautiful hardcover print edition of the game, um, you get a, you can get it at a reduced price because it's going to be cheaper on the Kickstarter than it will be when we sell it later. That's like um, a twenty percent discount. That's awesome. Yeah. And you also get some Kickstarter exclusive swag, like oh, yeah. a sticker that won't exist after this, and um, access to an art print by uh, Robin Savage, um, which will also not be available after the Kickstarter. Um, you also get, if you back it now at any level, you get two additional books, which is a novella by Margaret Kiljoy Woo-hoo. and a campaign module that I'll be writing. Yes. And those are because we unlocked most of our uh, stretch goals. Um, you'll also get a digital, and these are digital editions and like discount on print editions later. Um, but you'll also get a digital edition of a full color map that Robin and Cassandra are making. Um, nice. And so, you know, check out the Kickstarter, Kickstarter, Penumbra City, it's on there. Um, and I'm, yeah, I'm we, disappointed we get, to get the to the, party, oh yeah, the pizza party or the, um, the, uh, naked live streamed hot tub party. It was never naked. It was never going to be, a naked I was going to be naked. I don't know what you guys were going to do, but <laughs> <laughs> okay. there's still time though. Get us to that hundred K mark and I will, I will be naked in a hot tub for everyone and you yeah. will be happy about it. I promise. Yeah, there's a there's a new book coming out too that we are crazy excited about. At least I am because I got to do the editing work on it and it is phenomenal. I think I'm going to buy like five copies at least from us when it comes out because it's I want to give it to so many people. Yeah, it is. It is an incredible book. Um, it's coming out. Um, it it's actually it, it'll if you go to our website um, anytime after listening to this, it'll be available for pre order. Um, and that is. To the Ghosts Who Are Still Living by Ami Weintraub. So good. And it is a it is a collection of essays um, written by Ami. Um, in this collection of remarkable essays, um, Ami guides us on a journey to meet the ghosts of his Jewish ancestors, um, the people whose struggles and stories sometimes whisper and sometimes scream to be shared. Ami examines questions, uh, challenge. Cha- examines challenging questions of heartbreak, memory, restitution, and self-discovery. Um, it is a absolutely beautiful and heartbreaking book. And if you want to hear more about the book, what also came out today is an interview with Ami on my other podcast, uh, Strangers in a Tangled Wilderness. There's a really incredible interview um, that he does talking about the process of creating the book. Um, and a sample chapter um, hmm. read by the wonderful Bee Flowers. So go check out the book and the other podcast to hear more about it. Nice. All that great stuff is available on our website, tangledwilderness.org. Um, and we are also on some social media platforms, and you can connect with us there. Um, we are able to do all of these rad things because of the support of um, our listeners, uh, especially because of our Patreon supporters who really provide the the base monthly financials that we need in order to um, do our, our production work. So we're incredibly grateful 
to our patrons. Um, if you're interested in supporting the work, you can check out our Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash strangers in a tangled wilderness. And our lovely Patreon supporters who uh, provide at least $20 a month get a very special shout out at the end of every podcast. We thank you, Haas the Dog, Micaiah, Chris, Sam, Kirk, Eleanor, Jennifer Starrow, Kat J, Chelsea, Dana, David, Nicole, Mickey, Paige, SJ, Sean, Hunter, Theo, Boise Mutual Aid, Milicia, Papa Runa, Allie and Paige, Janice and Odell, Oxalis, Jans, Funder, Anonymous, Ben Ben, Princess Miranda, and Trickster. Thank you. <laughs>